Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoo the Torah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Chuba Center. And we have a remarkable guest today, uh, uh, Nathan Aaron, who helps uh, heart-centered entrepreneurs uh, merge all of their passions into one life's mission to plan, fund, and build their dream business. He's raised over $1 million per client and worked with Fortune 500 companies and Grammy Award-winning artists, including the Olympics, Adidas, CBS Sports, Lil Wayne, Ray-Ban, and Products, has two podcasts, which charted number one on iTunes. Um, After being homeless, he became an agent and landed his first seven-figure investments for a client, which later allowed him to create a reality series, Chasing My Dreams which will air hopefully in the winter of 2020, so very soon. Uh, in his music career, he is represented by Violet Brown, uh, who landed a record deal for Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Will I Am. In college, he studied as an intern under American Idol's Judge Simon Cowell, as well as multi-platinum dance DJ Paul Ockenfold. Uh, additionally, he sits on the board of multiple nonprofit um, organizations helping the homeless, Coral Reef, and at-risk youth. Um, so welcome, Nathan. This is, this is a great honor. Thank you. Rabbi Iggy, it's definitely a great honor. Thanks for having me on. So um, I guess first and foremost, uh, what's heart-centered entrepreneurs? <laughs> well, right? yeah, I mean, really just what that comes down to for me is people who care, people who love others, who want to make a difference. And truthfully, it's really everybody because everyone is on a on the path toward that. Um, I feel like anyone who is uh, causing any harm or any discomfort in their own lives or other people's lives, they're just simply needing more love, needing more guidance, needing more support. So really it's about uh, serving anyone in getting them on that path toward more love, more giving, more connection, more serving. So, you know, we, we have a sort of a lot of sort of places where our work and our sort of life kind of merge together, right? So like we work with a lot of people in recovery, so a lot of homeless as well and stuff. You, you find a lot of people who are, we'll call them really damaged, right? Um, people who are really, really broken. Um, even perhaps people who um, have lost their ability to connect to their heart, have you ever found or you ever seen or felt a cause was just beyond repair? Yes, yes. Um, I dated someone who ended up becoming one of my best friends. And the way that we always discuss the situation is that uh, I had to go down to hell to attempt to pull her out, only to realize that the only person that could pull her out is herself. Uh, there are other situations. My mother uh, dated a, uh, a man who, unfortunately, when he was a child, his uh, family tried to burn down the home that, that, that he was in while he was there um, and dealt with an immense amount of trauma. And definitely, I mean, there are people that I've come across in my personal life who I, my heart just hurts so much because I just want to help them and I want to be there for them. And it seems like when if you've ever had a giant 
ball of rope and you're trying to untie it and it's taking hours and hours to get one little piece done. And then you look down and you realize that there's a giant uh, knot on the floor still. And the one that's in your hand, you can't even seem to fix. And so, yes, I've absolutely been in that situation and, and it's very challenging. So how do you, right, you, you're faced with people like that, right? And um, presumably, right, they're everywhere, including in music industry and, you know, Hollywood. I, I know I've encountered them there. Um, how do you start? What's the first conversation you have with people to try when they say, I want, I want to do better, I want to achieve more, I want, right? Um, where do you start? Well, it's definitely in a different position for those who are ready to take those actions um, and those who are not ready to take those actions. And also, on top of that, there are people who are to the level of traumatized that you're referring to versus the level uh, where someone's just trying to improve their life or trying to build a business, trying to get to a position where they can actually get going. Um, so definitely two totally different conversations, I think, for for those who are really damaged and traumatized, um, on a personal level, first of all, I don't expect to be able to fix every person and I don't expect right. to fix anyone. I just want to be there for them and let them know that there is someone that cares and, uh, be a, uh, an open hand, an open heart, um, just a place for them to, to be able to come to if they need help and support. Um, but ultimately I think that, uh, wherever they are on that path, uh, what I've done is I've created some frameworks that help people. Uh, and my first one is called a, uh, dream life planning process. And the dream life planning process really comes down to saying, okay, I have a life right now. I've lived it to this point. And question is, what can I do between now and the rest of my life? And how can I make this moment right now, a moment where I really plan out my life while simultaneously uh, using the tools and strategies that are available uh, to live in the moment and enjoy myself. So what we do in that dream life planning process is starting with fantasizing. And fantasizing is great because it takes you away from the analytical mind and allows you to just say, what would my life be like if I could just snap my fingers and make up any life, regardless of circumstance? Then you don't say to yourself, well, I can't do that because I don't live where I want to live. Well, I can't do that because I don't have the money. Well, I can't do that because my partner wouldn't allow that, so on and so forth. So you're getting out of your own head and you're just fantasizing. And then after that, you prioritize by taking all of these little uh, things that you enjoy, it can be very simple. I think one of the issues that people have uh, when they're planning and trying to come up with a life that they want is they're focused on what society tells them they need to choose or pick, like what career, uh, like what specific uh, kind of house do I want or what kind of money do I want to make or when I want a family. But how about just focusing on what really makes you happy in a day? Do you like to be able to sleep in? Do you like to be able to uh, take the first two hours of your day without turning your phone on so that you can meditate, so that you can do some self-care? And once you get an idea of what those things are that you can weave into your day-to-day -day life, then we can find happiness in the now, which is really what we're after in our long-term goals. And so there's the fantasize, then there's the prioritize, and then there's the plan section, which I can get into at some point. But really, the end of the uh, entire process is to hold up in front of you one piece of paper. So if you're listening to this or watching this, just 
go ahead and put your hands in front of you like you're holding a piece of paper in front of you. And on that piece of paper, just imagine that you've written a life vision. And you look at it and you should get a little nervous. You should say, I don't know if this can happen, but if somehow I can make what's on this sheet of paper happen, I'll be the happiest person in the world. Or at least I'll be much happier than I am right now. I'll be at peace and I'll feel like I'm living a, a life of balance. So that's that process. So, I mean, so, so much to, to, to take out, right? So first and foremost, I think, right, so like that, that first before even the, the fantasy part, right, so that you can't help those who don't want to help themselves. But you have to find, it sounds like, right, you have to have a certain, um, your own drive, your own will, your own ability to, to do that, considering you don't know what's ahead, right? So there, there must be something within you that sort of says, I'm not happy with this, my life is not where I want it to be, right? I want something different, right? Yeah. So that's that's a that's a fairly complex process by itself, right? So, right, right. You, you were you were homeless, right? Presumably, there are moments of great despair, right? Moments where you said to yourself, "I I can't. This is never going to happen, right? Like I'm going to die on the streets, whatever it is." Definitely, definitely. Yeah, there was actually a moment, uh, the kind of pivotal moment for me was I was living out of my car. Luckily, I had a car. So uh, even even saying homeless sometimes is a little bit uh, uncomfortable for me to say because I know some people had, have it a lot worse than I did. I right. lived out of my car for four months. And during that process of living out of my car, uh, there was a day when there was a hailstorm. And during that hailstorm, I realized I needed to get my extra blanket out of my trunk so I climbed over to the front seat and I popped the trunk and I ran around and I grabbed the extra blanket and closed the trunk and I ran back around to the driver's side and I pulled the handle and I had locked myself out of the car. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it was a hailstorm and I was in my boxers, luckily with a, a blanket around me. And exactly what you just said happened. I began to crack. I began to tell myself why did you uh, squander all these opportunities? Because when I was 16 years old, I started a recording studio uh, uh, out of my bedroom. I moved to LA and I started interning with all these big people like Simon Cowell. And then after that, I became homeless. So not only did I find myself in a really tough situation, but in my mind, I should have not squandered these great opportunities. Um, I ended up, uh, basically being in a position where I really had to work on my mindset uh, while being in one of the toughest positions of my life so that I could save myself from being, uh, from going on a downward spiral. And luckily I didn't get into drugs. Luckily I didn't, uh, you know, get, get caught up with the wrong people while I was homeless, but that's how it happens. And you, you think it can't happen to anyone uh, or, or that it can't happen to you rather, but it can, it can happen to anyone. And, and the mindset Interestingly enough, though, I think that when we're in life-threatening situations, our mindset is actually there for us. And then when we find ourselves safe, I think that's when the mind can be a little bit more dangerous because we're not in fight or flight. We're not in a position where we're trying to survive. So when, when was there a moment it changes? Was there a moment that the needle sort of like moves a little bit and you say like, you know what, actually... I, I don't want this. I want something different. Yeah, I, I always wanted something different. I uh, I think that f 
for me, I always had a, uh, an assumption that things would go very easily for me in my life. And that proved to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> go figure. Right. But right. there I was in that position and I just really had no clue how I got there. Uh, I thought, I thought I was doing great and I thought I was on the path. So for me, it wasn't so much that, uh, I had a mind shift where I decided that I wanted to, um, be more ambitious or chase my dreams. That was always embedded in me, interweaved into my soul. But the external world, I didn't have that figured out. And that's what, that's what it came down to for me. Um, so when, when I had an epiphany about how I could change my external world, it really came funny enough. A lot of people, their stories, they'll say, Oh, then I fixed my mindset. And then I thought positively. And then I created my own reality. But for my case, it actually came from, um, from complaining to myself. And I was, <laughs> I was in the, this warehouse that I had to, that I had to run to, uh, when I was locked out of my car and I was saying those exact things to myself. I said, why did I do this? Uh, what's wrong with me? How did I squander those situations? Anyone else would have loved to have a scenario like this in their life. What's wrong with me? And then I said, if I only just had someone that could cut me a check, someone who could pay so that I could have, you know, a home over a roof over my head and, and maybe some food in my stomach, then I could thrive or maybe even more money. Maybe they could give me a little bit of money to pay for my business expenses so that I could pay for like a marketing budget or a website, things like that. And that's when it kind of hit me for the first time. I thought, why don't I do that? And it sounded really far-fetched. And like I said, when I talked about holding the sheet of paper in front of your face and getting a little nervous, I, I definitely got nervous about the idea. I thought, who am I to, right, the imposter right. syndrome? Who am I to get money from someone? Um, but slowly but surely, I, I kept playing with that idea in my mind uh, every day in, in the car. Um, I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And maybe a year, year and a half later, I helped uh, someone land their first, my first deal. Uh, so it was just a matter of time. For me, it was external. And I think that what it comes down to is some people had to change their internal to get where they want. And other people needed to figure out the external to get there where they want. Although it does sound like you changed some of the internal too, right? It does sound like sort of it started from a say like, well, what do I do that, right? So it's not entirely, like, it's not that somebody says like, hey, hi, yo, I like your cap. Here's a check for $2,000, right? Sort of like, right? Sort of, it's not just the external, right? It's not like, like, hey, daddy, can you send me some money? Right. Right? It sounds like there's an internal process of what you did as well. So it's, you know, the external is is part of the kind of living expenses or the way to grow, but, but it sounds like your internal had a very strong voice at that moment. Yeah, you know, I... To be honest, I haven't thought about it like that. That's actually really profound for me um, because I always saw that as the external. But the truth is I needed to craft an entire strategy, an entire plan, an entire mindset around my worth of being able to raise money. Right. So, yeah, here I am. And here I am in class today with Rabbi Iggy. <laughs> teaching there me you go. Myself. <laughs> that, that's my job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, right? Because when you say about the nervousness of the plan, right? So like often, I often say this sort of, if you have, if your dreams or your goals do not frighten you, they're not the right dreams of goals. 
Mm. That that is, if you think like, oh yeah, I can do that. That's, I mean, that's lovely. That's what <laughs> things that I call, I, I called uh, quick wins, right. easy wins, right? So like, yes, you know, I'll, I'll write these emails, I'll write this, whatever. But but fundamentally, I think if you're, if you really want to grow, right? A lot of people are okay where they are, but if you really want to grow, if, if your dreams don't scare you, they're, they're not the right dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also I think what, what is interesting about what you're saying is sort of right that, that um, we often think, yes, the external can give us anything, but here you are, right? You had your deals, you had your internship. These were external. They didn't help you, right? Right? Mm. right? In fact, it was probably your internal world that somehow derailed it, wow. right? Yeah. I'm not worth it or whatever. So, so in that sense, I think that's – and I think that's what people, a, lot of, a lot of people don't understand. I think people think that, that their problem um, – I'll, I'll say it this way. I, I usually say it over 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 sad things, over tragedies, where I say like any problem that can be solved with money is not a real problem, right? Um, but I think right it, that's also true in these in these kind of situations that anything that can be achieved with money is not real, mm. right? Because right. So so if someone were homeless and you were to tell them that. I imagine that they would think, "What the heck? I could, I could get a home." Um, what would you tell them? You, you could, but, but getting a home is just the beginning, mm-hmm. right? N- not just to say in terms of bills. Okay, so okay, here's a home, but like, how do you pay for your gas? How you pay for the things? How you pay for the things? But also, how do you maintain it? Right? How do you maintain it clean? How do you not hoard? How do you shift from being homeless to being a home? All of a sudden, you feel caged. You feel you have to be here, right? There's a lot of internal and spiritual elements that you have to work on, just because your things have changed. Mm. And 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 I often say, right, the, the most toxic sentence in the English language is. I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I get a car. I'll be happy. I'm going to get a promotion. I'll be happy when I get a home. I'll be happy when I'm married, when I have children, whatever it is. And I've heard it all because as soon as you say that you've, you've lost mm-hmm. happiness is a feeling. It's not a place. It's not a room. It's not an asset. You don't have happiness, right? It's a feeling. It changes like anger or anything else. Wow. So, so I think, right. So in that sense for the homeless um, is a little bit like, was it like, what, what do you want? What does the home represent? Is that really all there is? Mm-hmm. Right? Because presumably you didn't start homeless. Right. Right? So, yes, people have lost their jobs and, and all that. And, and, it, and it can happen very easily. In fact, I think most Americans are like, you know, one medical crisis away from, mm. from homeless. But I think you have to also know that it comes with a, with a spiritual workbook. <laughs> right, right. Wow, that's super profound. Um, and I, I, I really relate with the when then, as I call it, like when I do this, then I'll feel good. Uh, that can be really toxic. And, uh, right. and I also do think it's important to have some low hanging fruit goals so that you can start gaining some momentum. But yeah, if you don't have a goal that scares you, and makes you nervous, then then it's just not reaching high enough. Also, one thing that just used to piss me off when people would say when I was struggling is they would say, "Oh, you're going to be happy that you did this. You're gonna you're gonna become a better person. This is gonna craft your your personality." Uh, and, yeah, shut up. <laughs> and, and I would just say, "This is the last thing that I want to hear." And it's true; it's very true. So in hindsight, I, I can see that and say, "Oh, well, this this challenging situation." 
does craft who I am. It does, it does add uh, some beautiful edges to my soul. But in the moment, I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want that. I just want to not suffer right, right now. And so I, I think that uh, the beauty of being through really challenging struggles is we, we understand what people do and don't want to hear. Uh, right. We understand, and we're all still going through it, right? None of us have right. reached the destination, and we're here now to teach others how to do. It's it's a constant uh, helping right. uh, the the humanity of us as a whole. We're all just helping ourselves up. Right. I mean, just because it's true doesn't mean it's helpful. <laughs> just because it's true doesn't mean it's useful, right? Yes, that is true. That does craft a lot of it, but doesn't mean in that moment it's helpful. And right. and I often try really dis- distinguish because I think it's it's in very in the same family, especially with people who are suffering, right? People who have losses, which is a lot of people right now. The losses when people are like, "Oh, you got to be strong," or this will shut up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, no. The only thing I want from you is for you to be here mm. to say, like, you know, this it hurts, it sucks, mm. it's horrible, it's painful. That's what we find because the humanity is not find it's not found through success. Our humanity is found through our pain, mm. through our struggle. That's what humanity is. You see perfection, it's perfection's boring. <laughs> right? And and even right, and you know this sort of better than most, right? People who have achieved, right? Musicians, artists, people who have achieved, right? So like, you know, when then I have right, I'll be, you know, and then they get it. Mm-hmm. And then the most unhappy people I know. Yes. The most unhappy, the most miserable people I know are very rich and, in fact, incredibly famous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, people know their name pretty much of every household in America. Yeah. And they're very unhappy. Right. They're miserable, in fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They drink themselves, pill themselves to sleep every single night. Mm-hmm. And, and that should tell you something. Not to say that you should not strive to be successful. I think success right. is is great, right? And it gives you a lot of opportunities. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, just as a, as a word where you say, like, you know, people have worse than you in terms of homelessness, where people say that, which is true. But I also think, I know I'm a bit of a sort of like a bit of an asshole sometimes, but but like um, I, it could also be much, much better. That That is like, you know, people have it better. In fact, I know I know a few, but the one specific comes to mind. I know a person who for 30 years, he is one of the richest people on the planet. One of the richest. He has a think tank. He's he's incredibly famous in that in field. Like really, a gazillionaire, mm. and never wanted a home. Didn't own a single piece of property. Mm. Always were hotels or whatever. I think there was even an article about him uh, um, a while ago, which was like something like you know the 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 billionaire homeless or something like that, because it was like, you know, so, so some people are homeless by choice. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's really interesting. And I, I kind of want to go back for a moment to something you said about uh, the kind of support that people mm-hmm. prefer and what I've come to learn in my life and my relationships and, and with just being there for people and people being there for me is I think it's really important to ask someone what kind of support they want. Sometimes they want a solution. Hey, can you help me figure this out? Okay. Sometimes they just want someone to say, Hey, I'm here for you. That sucks. Uh, you're not alone. And the other time I think that people just want someone that will listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so, so I think in our personal relationships and everything, if, if we can ask, a person, hey, how can I be here for you? Do you want someone that just 
is here to listen to you, to lend an ear? Mm -hmm. Do you want me to help you find a solution? Because I've definitely done it before uh, where I've uh, heard someone that I care about say that something's wrong. And then I just jump in and start trying to find a solution. And then halfway through, they're like, right. wait, 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 that's not what I wanted. Right. Uh, I, I had that conversation. Congratulations. You're a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what I was alluding to. I'm a guy. <laughs> like my, Sometimes I have to tell, you know, uh, sort of men in my life are sort of like, I'm going to tell you something, but I don't want you to fix it. I just mm -hmm. need you to listen. Mm -hmm. But I have to be very clear because people are like, well, if you're, like I, no, no, that's not what I, I don't want advice. I just want you to think. But, you know, so, but that's sort of like, uh, uh, that's a great, like, leads me to one of the questions is, right, as, as a coach, right, as a person who helps people achieve their goals, right, as a person who, who really sort of helps people, uh, both sort of in terms of your volunteer life, but also in your professional life, um, how do you then ass assess that, right? How do you know um, what they need? Is it instinctive? Do you ask? Do you have a form? Like, what is, how do you then help people? Or, right, if somebody comes to you, um, what, how do they feel or how do they know what you are going to sort of like provide for them? Right. Yeah. That's well, uh, kind of what we talked about before about uh, external and internal, and they always all interweave. But um, there are two general areas that I want to focus on with people after they've gone through this dream life planning process. And the dream life planning process is so important because I think a lot of people have an assumption of what they want. Like you said, when I get this, then I'll be happy. We have to make sure that they're climbing up the right mountain. I don't want to help someone achieve their goals and then they get halfway up the mountain and look around and realize that they've been climbing up the wrong mountain. And so, right. so, so uh, that's uh, actually, I want that mountain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, here we go. Uh, get on your skis. Uh, right. <laughs> and that's, that's only because that's what I did. Uh, right. Being in the music industry, I saw stuff on TV and I thought that's what I want. And right. a lot of what I saw is what I want, but a lot of it's what I don't want. And I realized right. all the toxicity in the music industry in Los Angeles and, and how it attracts people who uh, are attempting to do certain things that are not the most balanced and healthy things. Um, and I realized I don't want a part of that. I still love music. I still love performing, but I don't want to be a part of that. And so that's why the main thing that we're focusing on within that first dream life planning process is really making sure that they understand their preferences, their non-negotiables, making sure that they are waking up and doing the daily activities that bring them joy and that allow them to serve the world at the best of their capacity. So it's really about the minute, the small little hidden gems of things that make you happy in your life. Maybe someone wants to travel the world because that's what they love to do. Maybe they don't. Maybe they want to be rooted and grounded in a home. Maybe they really cherish their mornings and they want to have that morning time where they don't have to wake up and stress and go straight to work. Maybe they love being around a lot of people because they're extroverted and that, bring, mm -hmm. and that brings them a lot of energy. Maybe they want to be by themselves and be able to just be in a room and work. And so there are so many little intricate details that society doesn't tell us that we want or that we should choose. And, and we end up uh, just picking a career. And a good example of that, uh, another mistake I made, is uh, when I started my first online business, I thought, wow, this seems like a great revenue model. I could make a lot of money doing this. And instead of 
really getting an understanding of what I was getting myself into, I fell in love with the revenue model. And I ended up starting a business that was that did pretty well, but I ended up uh, creating a um, an email customer service job for myself. And that's not the uh, the big romantic vision that I had for myself. But I was answering emails for at least eight hours a day, and that's all oh. I did. Um, so it just goes to show that before we get started, you're not going to climb Everest using the mountain analogy. You're not going to climb Everest without first preparing. Make sure you have the right tools. Make sure you have a roadmap, so on and so forth. So once we get really, really clear on that and a person says, this feels so good, this feels so aligned with me, um, and if I look back on my life from the very end and say, do I regret what I did? Do Am I proud of what I did? You end up in a situation where you're there holding that sheet of paper saying, this feels good. And from the end of my life, looking back, I think that this, if I follow this and stay disciplined, then it will really work. Then from there, it's just about creating an actual roadmap, an actual strategy, and making sure that they have the right tools to uh, do the work, to be disciplined, to be focused, to stick to one thing, to not uh, divert themselves into too many uh, different projects, right? Because if you give yourself, if you give 100% of your effort to 10 things, you're giving 10% to 10 different things and none of it's going to flourish. How often would you suggest people revisit this? Sort of plan, right? Because presumably it changes, right? It's not the same. I, I know I want different things today than I did 15 years ago. That's incredibly, incredibly important. Um, I think that if it's about habits and what I did before uh, cell phones had reminders and things of that nature was ridiculous. It was horrible. I just <laughs> tried so hard to, to uh, build habits and remember things and so on and so forth. But I really lean on using uh, the alarm and the reminders apps and my phone to just continually have uh, things systemized into my life. I'm a huge fan of automating, delegating, and systemizing. Um, and when it comes to uh, automating, it's just like, what things do you need in your life or your business that you can that need to happen that you can automate and then same situation with delegating but what can another human do uh instead of you doing but specifically why i'm bringing this up is is systemizing and systemizing to me is what things do you want to be doing regularly what things matter the most to you and your habits and your activities uh, that you can systemize into your life and the best example of this for me would be if you have a family instead of just going on a vacation every year why don't you say the first week of June, every single year, we're going on this trip. It's our family trip. We never miss it. First week of June. That has now been systemized into your life. So when it comes to habits, why not say, okay, every Sunday at 4 p.m., I'm spending 10 minutes going over uh, my roadmap. And I think that's important to make it 10 minutes and not two hours because you can sit there, you can spend 10 minutes if you're super busy. Anyone can spare 10 minutes. But if you say two hours, you might not stick to it. So it's all mm -hmm. about creating habits, creating reminders, uh, having external uh, th forces that are causing you to do it. Maybe have that 10 minutes per week uh, with a partner or with a friend or with someone in your life, uh, someone that you work or with. with your coach, right? So like if somebody's working with you, right, that's sort of part of where the coach comes in, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's really important to have those interweaved into your life. So. Uh, yeah, the two ways that I serve people are in group settings and a one-on-one -on -one setting. And yeah, they they meet with me regularly from weekly to monthly. And we just get into a, into a rhythm where we're actually checking in, connecting, 
making sure that they're on the path uh, and moving forward from there. Right. I mean, it sounds very similar to what uh, I talk about very often, which is decision fatigue. Do you know about decision fatigue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. So in that sense, right. So the, the, the less decisions we make during the day, the more energy we have to make the important decisions. So if you routinize your life, right, if you wake up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, eat the same thing. I mean, that's part of like, part of like, right. That's why I wear black all the time. It's, I have the same t-shirt 12 times over and I have the same white, the same black button down 12 times over, same pants, same socks, like everything's the same. So I don't have to think about what I'm, what I'm wearing. If it's summer, I'm in a t-shirt. If it's winter, I'm in a, you know, sweater or, or a shirt. And in that sense, right, I have more power to deal with other decisions I have to make. Right? And when I do so, that's really, and it's very important, at least uh, for, for people in recovery, when we do this, because if you've made decisions all day long, if you've spent your decision fatigue, if somebody calls you or somebody texts you or your dealer texts you like in the evening or a friend comes and say, hey, I've got some stuff or let's go for a drink, by then you've used all your decision-making power. Mm. You literally have no ability to say no. Mm-hmm. So you'll say yes and you'll fall down. That's true. I have a funny example from when I was in college. I had a, a friend and she she liked to go out clubbing and go to go to bars and things like that. And she said, you know what I realized, Nathan, I realized that if I tell myself before I go out that I'm not going home with a guy, then no matter how bad it gets during the night, I don't go home with the guy. But if I don't make that decision and I just go to the club, I end up going home with someone and then regretting it in the morning. And uh, so that's a little bit of a funny example, but it just goes to yeah. show that if you make a decision about what you're going to do in your life before the the situation shows up in your life, if that's your dealer right. calling, if that's uh, people that are not really healthy for you to be around, come right. over and decide that they, uh, they want to come hang out with you, you're going to say, um, okay, sure, why not? Versus right. your your brain says, oh, wait, I said no to that. Sorry, can't right. do that. I, I Their clients, I make them uh, have little uh, index cards where one side says, you know, guy propositions me or like somebody says, come for a drink or, you know, or whatever. And the other says, okay, what do you do? And so so you have this, like they have this stack, right? Where like, oh, I, I have this and like, oh, Dealer says, you know, thing, or Nathan says, come for a drink. Oh, no. Okay, no, actually, no. Right? So, like, you, you don't even have to think about it, right? right You've on. already decided ahead of time. Hold on real quick. Let, let me just check what card. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh, oh there that's it right. is. <laughs> because it's very hard sometimes to make right the right decision. And in that sense, right, sort of recovery and I think spiritual living, healthy living is about always doing the next right thing, mm-hmm. right? It's always about doing the next right thing. And it's it's sometimes important. It's a little bit like going to the supermarket hungry with no budget yes, or no list. Yes, yes, You'll end up with 20 things that you, A, are disgusting, two, you don't really want, and three, you can't afford. Right. Right? So like, right? Like, don't go hungry, have a budget, make a list. Wow. That's really simple. That's actually really helpful for me, actually, because I know that uh, on our previous conversation, I mentioned that I consider myself to to be addicted to productivity um and right. that's not necessarily a good thing there's definitely some benefits to it uh right. but uh i could see myself actually creating some cards and finding myself in some situations where i say hey um work i'm not going to work past this time at night right. and when i am done working these are the things that i'm going to focus on 
Um, right. Because that's an issue that I have personally is I'll take time off. I'm not, I'm not uh, a person that won't take time off. It's just when I am off, I'm just thinking, why am I not working right now? And what the heck should I be doing? And so right. that's a personal uh, struggle that I have that I, I might implement that actually. I might just say. For sure. Hey. And, and I think you're not the only one, but, it, cause I, but I think sort of right, one of the other important questions to always ask, why am I, what's my fear in this? Like, what's my fear of sitting there and just doing nothing? Or, or stopping to work at four or right. Or not opening my computer. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, cause that's, that's the real questions, right? Because it clearly brings up right feelings of trauma or fear or anxiety or right. Or shame or guilt or right. So like here, right. Like just from what you said, right. I had these opportunities. I squandered them. But here's, I have an opportunity. If I squander it, does that mean I'm going back and that's it next time? I, next thing I know I'm, in a hailstorm, right? <laughs> right in, in somewhere, like right. So, and, and because that's, I mean, that's the flip side of what we spoke before. Part of yes, those our experiences make us who we are, and and fortify us. But experience experiences also leave scars. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you touch them, right, that nerve is always open. Right, mm-hmm. every time you then do nothing, that nerve says. The car is right there. Right. <laughs> you want to live in that? Yeah, that's right? very true. And, and um, I think that I like how you said you touched that nerve because I don't think that in, in Western culture, at least we are taught enough about the brain body connection. I had a right. time period where I actually ended up blacking out when I was driving on the freeway. Um, and actually the medical term is not blacking out, but I had uh, basically, if you've ever stood up and then all of a sudden you can't really see, maybe see a little bit of light in yeah, front of you. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of dark. I had that situation happen. Luckily, I was in the car with my friend Olivia. I said, hey, Olivia. I was very calm. I said, hey, uh, it's kind of hard for me to see right now. Can you grab the wheel? And right. I will put my foot on the gas. Can you pull us off of the freeway? Uh, be calm. It's okay. I'm just seeing a little fuzzy right now. And she, <laughs> she was like, sure, yeah, of course. Yeah, no big no deal. problem. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> she totally freaked out. <laughs> Uh, but luckily we held it together and she slowly started pulling us off the right. road. And then, uh, I had my foot on the brake, on the brake, on the brake, and we got off and I had an immense panic attack. Uh, right. actually we went into the hospital and they thought I had a stroke and they rushed me to the back and they did my vi- test, test of my vitals. And luckily it was just a really bad panic attack. Um, and before that I thought panic attack, what is a panic attack? You're panicking cause you're so stressed. I didn't feel stressed in the moment. I was laughing, joking, having a great time with my friend and something happened and a nerve got touched. And so uh, what I realized in that moment that was that I thought to myself, my, my brain is doing this, but somehow it's making it so that my eyes can't see. And so that my hands won't close on the wheel, what's going on here. And then I realized, Oh, our brains and our bodies are connected by a thing called a neck right? <laughs> like they are one thing. We're, we're, we're actually one being. And that's actually not a surprise now that I think about it. And so, so um, meditation was something that came into my life, not because uh, I thought it would be a fun, cool thing to do, but because it was a necessity. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, an analogy came to me about meditation for anyone who uh, is considering starting meditation or who is meditating and is thinking, mm-hmm. why am I even doing this? Uh, Cause that's, that happens all the time for me. I'll, 
I meditate. Oh, everyone. Yeah. I've been med- look, I've been meditating for longer than I care to admit. Um there are definitely days when I'm like, well, this is stupid. This is not working. It's sort of like, is this on now? Like, is, am I having a moment? I'm not having a moment. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. Ugh, what do I want to eat? I want-. Oh, look, no, go back, go back, go back. Train your brain, go back. Right. Right. Go to your breath. Okay, breath. Okay, okay. Or like, oh, it's too hot. Like, oh, I'm still hungry. Like, literally, there are these conversations in my head. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you need to stop and start again because, like, you're being ridiculous. Exactly. And then there's a little bit of guilt in there because you're thinking about Absolutely. weird things so much. Yeah, so so what I realized the other day, actually, this is maybe two weeks ago, is I realized, well, actually, I'll give a little backstory. So I had a close friend of mine give me some really strong feedback about something that I needed to improve in my life. And uh, I attempted to call them after I received the text message, and they were unavailable. Right. And I found myself feeling, feeling intense inside. And so right. I went to meditate, and it was one of the most dramatic experiences from stress to bliss in that meditation. I mean, that's what we would want every meditation to be. Right. Right. And I came out of that meditation and I said, wow, okay. Meditating is like putting money into your savings account after every paycheck. It's like, I don't want to do this right now. Why am I doing this? I could totally go out and spend some money and have fun with my friends. I could get this new thing. I could get this new, I get another black shirt. (laughs) You know, there's so many things that I can do with this money, but okay, fine. I'll put it in my savings account. It's a completely different black shirt. It's it's a different, I need a new black shirt. (laughs) I look like all the other, no, it's a completely different, I've had these discussions. I've had these discussions. (laughs) Look, I got a new shirt. It's black. Yeah, nobody, that's a, you don't, you don't understand. It's a different black. stretchy. It's... (laughs) Lower. My children like look at me and be like, "What?" It's like it's another black t-shirt. Like, no, but it's a completely different black t-shirt. <laughs> One time, my uh, my dad, he's a real outdoorsy guy, and uh, when we were kids, he brought us to this place that was like six, seven hours away, and we got there. And my sister goes, "Why did we drive six, seven hours?" And my dad goes, "Because this is a beautiful place." She goes, "It's just more trees." <laughs> I feel the same way as your sister about this. Let me just be clear, right? Nature and I are not best friends. So, right? Uh, right. No, but let's go back to the thing because that's actually really important in terms of the meditation. And and um, it, it's funny you say because one of the things we say, I say all the time, and one of the things that is very hard people to to realize, but it, once they do, it's in it, is that the same time you open a physical bank account, you need to open a spiritual bank account Mm. and you need to put currency in that spiritual bank account Mm -hmm. because that spiritual bank, you'll have to write checks from it. Loss, breakup, loss of a job, loss of opportunity, trauma, pandemic, you know, like overnight. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money in your spiritual bank, if you don't have spiritual currency, it's you're going to overdraft and you're going to do a lot of bad things yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you invest every day a little bit, then you will be able to write those checks. It's going to hurt writing checks. Nobody likes, mm-hmm. right? But you'll be able to afford it. Yes. And and it's right. And it's like just like you said, right? You right. The meditation is an investment in yourself, and a, right. And a, and a reminder that what you're describing is is fascinating because right. It's it's a type of anxiety, but you're okay. And anxiety is always about tomorrow or ten minutes from now. It's always about the future. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is not about the moment mm-hmm. and you have to, once you realize that you're okay now and you're just projecting over what's going to happen, 
then you're able to sort of go back to your breath and go back to the self and, and be much more grounded. That's deep. Anxiety is not about the present moment. It's about the future. Even if it's 10 minutes Always. into the future, it's, it's right. considering that something weird is going to happen. And I think the, the one exception, uh, it's not even really an exception, but the one distinction rather to that is that if you have anxiety so often, then your body will just start creating it without your conscious thoughts. Maybe it's way deep in the subconscious, but it's still about the future. That's really powerful. I also think that uh, with this continuing on this analogy um, is that if you have the spiritual bank account, it's almost like you have a savings account and a checking account and your, your checking account, so to speak is maybe a day-to-day situation. So if you're at home and you've been helping a family member who's sick or who's uh, stressed or something like that, it's important to ask for, a little bit of uh, TLC. Uh, this morning, okay. I asked my partner. Okay. I said, "Hey, uh, uh, I know, I know, I've been, I've been helping out with some different people lately. Uh, can I get five minutes of TLC before you head out to the farm? Uh, I, I could really use that." And I think that's for most people, including myself. Sometimes uh, it's hard to ask. Just, of course. Just say, "Hey, can 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 you give me a compliment? Can you give me a hug? Can, right. No. What is that? Of course." It's very hard because it because it is vulnerable. Mm. And one, we don't want to seem like we're weak. We don't want to seem like we need anything, mm. right? Because that's somehow we think that vulnerability is weakness, which is not its strength. But more importantly, I think for a lot of us, a lot of people don't even know what that looks like, mm-hmm. right? They don't know what they want. And if sometimes they know what they want, they don't know how to express it with that shame, right? To say like, I want a hug. I want a kiss, you know, I want to have sex, right? I right, like those are things that sort of because what if the other person says no, mm-hmm. can't, not right now, right. don't wanna, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and then right, taking that into itself is like, oh, I've been rejected, right, right, and so people want to pretend there isn't, or or they want to like manipulate the situation, create a, 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 a right, <laughs> right away so that they can get what they want, but not really, right? How many times have we said, I love you? Not because we really mean that, because we want to have the person say, I love you back. Right. Yes. Wow. 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 How many times have you said, I love you to someone because you want to hear, I love you back. That is, That's right. that is very powerful. And I think that if we, if, if we were to take a day, and mm-hmm. see how many times we say something to someone or do something for someone because we really that's what we really want. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a lot. That's that's incredible. And and this is a really interesting concept when you talk about manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that uh, uh, or one of the main conduits to me becoming homeless was because in L.A. Uh, I ran into somebody who uh, ended up being very manipulative and was taking advantage of of young kids who were motivated and driven and trying to do something in their lives and realizing that that probably people with not a lot of experience who were really driven would be manipulated. Uh, and so there were a lot of really dark things that happened. And that's why I had to flee Los Angeles and I ended up being homeless in the Bay Area. Um, so for anyone who has been manipulated before, like heavily manipulated, think about those tactics that those people mm-hmm. use, those twisted, weird mind games and tactics, whether it be in a relationship or a business or whatever. It's like that is the polar opposite to exactly, Rabbi Iggy, what you were just talking about, about, about being vulnerable and mm-hmm. and giving uh, – letting people know what you want because in a really healthy relationship what happens is you go – Hey, um, 
I, I want to have sex or, Hey, I, I need a hug uh, right now. Instead, instead of saying, I love you, those little nuances, right? Instead of saying, Hey, honey, I love you. You say, Hey, I really need to be told that I'm loved right now. That is mm-hmm. a huge breakthrough because, because it's almost the exact same thing, but the dark or the light side That's of right. the coin right. where somebody does this weird twisted thing. And they're like, you did something wrong. Why did right. you do that? And, and then really what that person is doing and manipulating you and saying you did something wrong is they're making you feel bad so that you, so that they say, so that you say, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean That's to right. do that. And That's now right. they're getting the attention and the energy that they're That's wanting. Right. And it's so interesting how that works. A, a really unfortunate, but great example of this is the book, uh, 48 laws of power. 48 mm-hmm. laws of power is a, a brilliant book based on manipulation and hurting people. And those, those, uh, none of the things in that book are, are false. They're all accurate. Mm-hmm. But as you said earlier, just because they're correct does not mean that they're helpful. And it's all right. based on war tactics. And so people read that book when they're lost and they're trying to figure themselves out and then they get pointed in the wrong direction. And the yeah. same book could be written from the sense of love. I don't know, maybe, maybe um, he wants to write the book, The 48 Laws of Love. <laughs> Uh, and uh, maybe you should write the 48 books the 48 laws right that, that's actually a brilliant idea yeah that's that's incredible wow i think right i th- yes i mean i think um i think we do this all the time and i think that sort of we're taught to do this all the time and i think that's part of the problem i think that there is um a a fear of a lot of people to really be vulnerable to be open to say what they want to say what they need, um, and and there's there's this social contract, to sort of that somehow if we say what we need, that we're weaker, right? Yeah. Because then somebody can again deny it, mm-hmm. and 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 then it goes directly to the sense of self. If you loved me enough, you would do X, Y, Z. If you knew how imp- how if you love me the way I want to be loved, you would stop doing. A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do those, that means that you don't love me enough mm-hmm. or you don't love me the way I want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And 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 we take this really, really deeply. And and it's nonsense, of course, because right, because it is like you said, any any self-worth that comes from somewhere external to ourselves, right, is is dependent on that thing. And and part of what you're doing, part of what I'm trying to do, right, is sort of allow people to say, like, no, your self your self-sense of worth needs to come from the inside. It can be, it can be supported from the outside, right? We all want to be loved. We want to be connected, right? Connection is incredibly important, um, but and in many ways, I feel that sometimes what happens after the in love period, mm. right? During the in love period, everything like you see your best version of yourself in the other. But after that, like we have to actually negotiate, right? And actually, actually talk to each other and say what we really want and really need. It's really. It's really interesting. And it's the most beautiful, um, beautiful thing when you find yourself, particularly in a life partnership, romantic relationship, where you do break those uncomfortable boundaries and hit those conversations and end up just just saying what you really want. It is challenging, but it's it's very similar to when you do something physical that is really straining and challenging, uh, where you break through if, you, if any runners who who are just running and then you hit that wall and you're like, Oh, I can't go another step. And then you break through it. And next thing you know, you feel that euphoric feeling. I think the same thing happens in relationships where if you really break through, it's like, Oh my God, I can't tell this person this, they're going to kill me. They're going to hate me. They're going to leave me. They're never going to love me anymore. And then you do it 
And right. slowly but surely, you start finding yourself in this euphoric situation. So it's really true. No, for sure. It's funny, I, you know, it comes back a lot. I, I just interviewed somebody else on this podcast, which we're going to uh, air soon, who's an Olympian. He's a he's a medal-winning Olympian. Um, and and that, just that, right? Like sort of that extra, that extra push, going through the pain, going, right? So like, and how that's really important to not limit yourself by by your experience of pain. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <clears throat> um, you, you spoke a few times about this, and I'm, I'm curious about sort of, Right, because a lot of people look at you or look at people that you work with, and they're like, "Oh my God, that's so successful and so amazing and blah blah." And it's DJ, but you've now mentioned a few times kind of the darker side of Hollywood and the music industry, and and you know, what what have you learned? What should people worry about? Right, sort of. Yeah. Well, uh, the first thing that I'll say specifically about Hollywood and about uh, the entertainment industry, regardless of where it is is there are people that are attracted to that world. And some of those people are people who are well-meaning and other of those people have been hurt and they're hurting others. And for my, for me, with my experience, what I realize is there are a bunch of very young uh, people who are green and new uh, to the, to the world and they are down there because they're trying to make it happen. And the construct, the mental construct, the social construct is save me. I'm going to come down here and I'm going to look for the person who is going to make this happen for me. If you're in the mm-hmm. music industry, you get signed to a record deal. If you are uh, an actor or an actress, then you need to be discovered as an actor mm-hmm. or an actress or a model. And so unfortunately, what that does is it causes other people to go down to Los Angeles or whatever area it is. And basically they see an opportunity to take advantage and that can be really dark and that can be really challenging. Um, a lot of people who go down there to be actors and actresses end up in the adult industry. Uh, a lot of people end up on drugs. A lot of people end up being molested, raped, uh, uh, manipulated, so on and so forth. Um, there are some great things about the entertainment industry. Um, I think that, that it's not all bad, but ultimately what it comes down to is I think that anyone, especially a younger person who doesn't have a lot of experience that is moving away from their home where they have a support network to uh, attempt to fulfill their, their dreams or their goals in entertainment should have uh, a mentor or a, uh, or a group or something uh, that can guide them through the process. Uh, and that is something that someone should find before they move, uh, before they jump into the industry, or even if they're not moving. But particularly for those who are moving to a different city to, to, to pursue. And uh, what that'll do, I think, is the same situation as the cards, right? It's like, if I come into the situation, this is what will happen. Uh, This is how I will discern whether this is an actual situation or not. And that's why I love helping people with a roadmap and a strategy because a roadmap and a strategy, what that'll do is it will allow you to have a path that is focused 80% or more on what you can control. You building your own thing and then bringing people into your uh, business or your brand or your, uh, your thing that you're doing in entertainment versus going out and looking for someone who can help a damsel in distress 
and mm. sign you to a deal or discover you. That's the big false paradigm. Uh, and that does happen sometimes. Sometimes a person will get quote unquote discovered and it will work out great. All the time. It happens yeah. all the time. Uh, I mean, that that's part of the hope and the dream, right? So like that's, I mean, I love LA. LA is my spirit animal, right? I lived there for many years. And, um, but you know, one of the amazing things about LA, I think, right? It's built on dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's built on hope, mm-hmm. right? It's everybody thinks that they were going to discover it. And in fact, they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is, uh, a good a good example to compare that to is any other career what you want to do is you want to focus on building your own business or your own career and then when opportunities come up you're prepared that's luck right preparation meets opportunity right. and so you don't you don't seek out the opportunities you focus on what you can control your inner sphere of control and then when those opportunities happen then that's amazing and you can seek out opportunities in very smart ways but that's not the goal. The goal is not for you as a as a person in the middle of the ocean with a, a little life vest on to try to find a big ship. You want to get a ship, create your own ship, and then sail out into the ocean. And if yeah. if you come across a cruise liner or something, then that's great. Right. It's it, you know it's it's interesting because as we talk about them, thinking right, so like. Um, there is a difference, and I think for for people who are listening, and one of the things that's fascinating about your work with so with so many people who are in sort of these top echelons is the the difference between doing something because of talent or because of uh, the things that you want to do or say or produce, right? Versus what I think a lot of people just now they want to be famous. They don't really care for what in many ways, right? But fame has become this career goal mm-hmm. rather than like, I'm going to be the best singer or actor or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So like that there's right. And, and it's so both, it's so, both beguiling, but also like, what the fuck is fame? <laughs> it's really, really interesting. Um, and this one hits home to me, to be honest. Uh, I, first of all, I've never heard the LA is my spirit animal, but that touched me right in the heart. <laughs> I love LA. It, it really it's is. Such a I, great place. I have a love affair with LA for many, many years. That it really is. Yeah, it's a great place. Um, I, I try not to be defensive when people say, ah, LA. But uh, yeah. It, people who don't like LA don't understand LA. Yeah, they don't. People who don't like LA have never been shown LA by somebody who truly loves LA. Right. That's, my, that's, my, that's my real thing. If you dismiss LA, it means that you've never really experienced it. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it for sure. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to fame, I feel really strongly that, uh, that there are two ends of this spectrum. So on one end of the spectrum, you have the empty, uh, desire, uh, to be, to be loved, which is very similar to what we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, this concept of you asking, you telling someone that you love them so that they can tell you that they love you. Uh, and that is very empty. I think that if you do a lot of work on really understanding the kind of impact you want to make in the world and uh, the, the, um, the way that you want to go about that, the vehicle that you want to uh, get there with, uh, you can realize that fame or being, ha- having other people be aware of you can be a tool to help you get there. But if you're asking for fame for the sake of fame, then you're wanting love. And what I realized uh, at one point in my life was that the reason, a reason that I loved LA so much is because I actually desired 
this love from a, a large group of people. Um, if, if I were to go to a spiritual hippie type of festival, I walk through uh, the, the festival and I realize that people are walking over to me and giving me hugs, people who I've never met before. That's personally for me something that I deeply desire is to love all kinds of people and for strangers and I to have really deep conversations in a short period of time. That's how to make me happy. If I'm around people that I've never met before and all of a sudden we dive into a deep, deep conversation, that lights my soul up. And so in an early age and even currently, I do desire uh, that level of fame, but this is the really important distinction for people to have is that if you know the impact you want to make in the world and you know how you can make that impact and you know that by more people knowing that you exist and knowing uh, what your mission and your message is, uh, then fame can be something of value. Or maybe if you don't want to use the word fame, you'll just say having people be aware of your message and your meaning and your purpose. But if you're just looking for just this empty desire of people to love you, then realize that and say, okay, cool. And I want people to, to tell me that I'm worth something. Let's go deep into that. Let's ask ourselves what that really means. Let's let's um, do some work and figure out why it is that I'm desiring this love from a large quantity of people. Right. But, you know, it's funny, again, right? So, like, nobody can give you the sense that you're worth anything other than you. Right. Yeah. No matter how many people know. Mm -hmm. Right? And, yes, you may attain fame, but like we said before, it will, it will exact a... A hefty check from your bank account, from your spiritual mm -hmm. bank account, mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. And again, that way you need to because then if you if you don't have it, and you fall down, right in your in your ability to have currency in your spiritual bank account, the fame will eat you up. Right. Yes. That's right? that's a, a great point. So if if you achieve fame and it fills something inside of you that is good, then when you lose that, then that will go away. But if right. you if you use other people knowing that your message exists as a way to help them, then that is when there is some benefit in you getting your message out there to the world. Right. Like, like, like everything else. And I think in that sense, and that's sort of the difference between what fame is today. And I think what fame used to be is that um, people used to be talented and then they got famous. Mm -hmm. Right now, people just want to be famous, whether they're talented or not. That is sort of they don't have anything to parlay, right? right? If you have something, right? If you have something to give, fame could be a great vehicle. But if you don't, and you're just doing it for fame, you're, well, you're a Kardashian, really, <laughs> right? Sort of, you know, you're right. You're right. The only porn star to have crossed over to to mainstream media. Right, right, yeah, and and I mean even. People like the Kardashians, they, they have an opportunity to, to pivot that and then add some value uh, to the world or the marketplace. And it's, it's uh, on a case-by-case -case basis, of course. I'm not making any uh, judgments on them individually, but one can. I am. 100% I am. 100%. I mean, some, some of them are trying not, but a little bit, but like – Yes, what are you doing with this fucking platform? Yeah. What are you doing for the for, for to make this world a better place? And may, I may not know, right? And they might be doing a lot, and that's okay. And they might say, like, you know what? We're doing X, Y, and Z. And I'll be like, you know what? Great. Right. 
Mm-hmm. But but from my standpoint, right, of trying to make this world a better place, I don't see them as allies. You know, that's an interesting point because um, I have experienced quite a few uh, uh, music artists and people who who do have fame, and they'll they'll have music, and the music is perpetuating all kinds of negative things, and then behind the scenes, in secret, they'll be doing all these beautiful things. And I'm thinking, what what is that? What are you doing there? What what's what is the what's going on in the mind of a person who is willing to give to charity and go into the neighbor the low the, the poor neighborhoods and help people and then get on a track and talk about killing people? I, it just blows my mind, and I I don't understand it, and it actually just is one of the main reasons why I left the music industry. It just I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's hard, and and again, I think you know one of the, um, one of the dangers, right? Because where we spend an hour talking about sort of like the work that we do, is that we are effective, right? So we'll help people get their fame, get their business, get their heart forward, entrepreneurial business, whatever. They'll have the money, they'll have the right, mm. but then what? And right, and I think that one of the interesting things is that you have to also set in place a way that what happens when you get what you want, or what happens. I'll say it again because of the thing. What happens when you get what you want, and also what happens when, um, when now you realize that perhaps you a perhaps don't want it anymore, or that now you have to start paying different prices, both from your spiritual banking and another bank account, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right? People depending on you and all that. And and I think that that's the, that's the danger. And I think that's what people don't really realize, right? Like you said at the beginning, think, people think they want this, but even if they get this, now what? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with social um, pressure, social constructs. Uh, like my my example there about the the rapper who uh, has a huge audience and is perpetuating negativity uh, to the public, right. but then doing something meaningful uh, undercover. I think there's some pressure there, some social pressure. Luckily, I think that as a, as a human race, we are starting to see some breakthroughs with social media where people are uh, doing less of the. Uh, showing their highlight reel and showing their behind the scenes footage, which is good. And I think that we should continue pressuring people to do that uh, on social media to say, Hey, here I am without my makeup. Hey, here I am having a really bad day. Hey, I'm feeling kind of depressed right now. And then it becomes cool. And so this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about entertainment and why I even call myself uh, not an entrepreneur, but, but an entertainer is because I believe that personal development is is great but personal development is like gospel music right only people who are in that religion will listen to that music but what about like like pop uh religious music or something that someone else might listen to and actually enjoy uh that analogy for me goes directly to uh what i'm trying to get across which is if you are in a position where uh you are uh out there in the world and you're uh, you're perpetuating this negativity. How can you like pressure people? Pressure is a bad, pretty bad word, but how can you get people 
to do what you want them to do to be better people to themselves. Personal development is going mm -hmm. to work for people who are looking to change. But entertainment mm -hmm. can get people who are not looking to change. And that's why a lot of these books right now, like uh, Unfuck Yourself or like all these like bad words, uh, like all these top best-selling books have a curse word in it. And I think it's because a lot of people don't want to be seen in an airport holding a book that says, uh, I'm trying to fix myself. <laughs> but they will hold up a book that says, uh, how to stop Lucky giving feeling. a fuck. Yeah. 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 Right? And so uh, how can we merge entertainment with education? How can we merge entertainment with personal development? That's why I'm working on the reality series, Chasing My Dreams. Right. That's why I infuse music with uh, with personal development and with business right. strategy because I believe that people want to be entertained and they can give themselves the excuse of, oh, this is just a movie. Uh, right. I don't want to help myself, but I'm going to watch this and uh, right. you guys are okay with that. And if I get caught with this movie or with this film or with this music, no one's going to look at me funny and think, oh, you're trying to fix yourself? What's going on over right. there? No, you know, it's funny because on one hand, on one hand, I'm like, ugh, like so annoying. Like, yes, I mean, right. People again, people think they wanting to fix themselves or be better is somehow more this vulnerability and somehow it makes them weak as opposed to like, no, like, wow, you want to do something about yourself, which is amazing. But like but more importantly, and I think one of the interesting things about this and why I like part of the work, right, that people do and your work in that sense is that I think that. Yes, people come to me when they want to change, but I think entertainment, movie, music can, as you said, force people to think about things they have not thought before, right? They can force them to to face the change that they need to have, right? And we see this with movies, we see this with music, we see this with, right, with sort of like TV, of course, right, that, that art, right, always pushes the envelope. And in that sense, right, I feel the entertainment... Um, while, you know, as a rabbi, sometimes people think I should scoff at or not think about, right? So like the, the lower mediums like fashion or art or whatever. No, I think that sort of those are for people who, right? Th those are designed to push you in ways that you didn't think about it. Those are designed to, to ignite or plant a seed in you that you perhaps did not consider beforehand. Mm -hmm. I know it has for me. Mm -hmm. So I think in that sense, right, so for, for people to want to do that, to be, right, uh, um, uh, not entrepreneurs, but to be sort of the, the, the agitator, right, the agent of change, I think that is very noble, and I like that a lot. The question, again, is to do it with, with authenticity and with, you know, with wholeness mm -hmm. and with, um, without hiding and also without hiding the both, like we said, the, the light and the shadow and, and the price right. of everything else. Right. The light. And so the, the people, yeah, the, right. That, that is crucial. The light and the shadow, because I think what people who want to make a difference and do entertainment think is they think, Oh, well, I just have to do really positive music or really inspiring movies and films or whatever, or art that is positive, but no show the darkness because right. otherwise people are going to be turned off. And so that's right. incredibly right. important. Incredibly. Right. And not just the darkness, right? Show, show your reality, right? Say, have something to say. Yeah. What you stand for, right? Like, right. Have, have something that you stand for and want to say, don't just do it for, for not. And I think when people do that, that's when people, other people can get inspired because they connect. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, I felt that too. Or me too. Or I didn't think about that. And that's really, um, and I think that's that's really part of the the beauty of it. Again, I think our humanity is through our connection and our human condition and part of our pain, not just through this 
beautiful thing, right? So that's mm-hmm. um, um, cool. I mean, this has been really amazing. Uh, parting thoughts, thoughts that you sort of like, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I should talk to you every Sunday before music day because now I'm going to be right. super inspired to <laughs> anytime, any <laughs> to create anytime music, anytime. Uh, happy, happy to do yeah, that. I feel very creative right now. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I w- I'm first of all very honored to uh, be on this call with you and to be able to share my message with your audience. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd love to offer them um, an opportunity to connect with me further. Um, I actually mm-hmm. have a phone number that I give away. And during quarantine, uh, I started getting a little uncomfortable with the idea of having these YouTube ads and Instagram ads up where I'm just straight selling a, a high ticket product. Right. I thought, you know, I don't really know if I want to do that right now because people's jobs and situations, um, I'm really not a fan of, of doing that. And so I started giving away these free 15 minute consultations where I didn't mm-hmm. sell anything on the back end at all. It was right. just 15 minutes at the end. They're like, are you going to sell me something? And I was like, nope, I'm just here to help. And so anyone who texts me, um, uh, tattoos and Torah, anything like that, uh, I'd be happy to give you a 15 minute session. It could be on anything. It could be on business strategy. It could be on attaining your goals. It could be on coming up with your goals on figuring out how to get yourself out of a specific situation or into a specific situation. Um, and so I'd love to give out my number. That's great. Uh, yes. And that number is area code 310-807-1998. 310-807-1998. And just put That's a little... Great. And we'll put, it, we'll put it on the podcast sort of like when we on the actual thing. So if you didn't just get a pen, we'll put it on the on the assets as well. Great. Awesome. Yeah. And you can uh, check me out at Nathan.tv. I spell my, uh, my name N A T H E N, uh, dot TV. Uh, they gotta be different. I gotta be different and I gotta <laughs> be hard to find on Google. <laughs> that is true. By the way, that is true. FYI for everybody. That is true. Cause I tried a while ago before I actually had the, the bookmarks. I was like, thank and like, and I'm like, what, why can I find this? Yeah, guy? But yes, yeah, but then yeah. it's funny. It's, it's, there's a good side <laughs> to it and a bad side to it. The, the good side to it is if you spell it right, you're going to find me. Uh, yeah. And if you spell it wrong, then you're not going to find me and you're going to think I'm just, some, there's just a lot or... by the way there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff around the other name which is hilarious to follow because uh, i did that too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny cool yeah last parting thoughts is really just um you're not alone and mm. we all struggle and that's i right. don't know if you've ever had a situation uh anyone who's listening where there you are in your life feeling trapped and then you hear a story about someone who has it worse and you're like, why do I feel better? I don't, I, I don't want to feel better because someone else is suffering, right. but we're all going through something. And so we just have to right. find people uh, that are there for us, that believe in us and uh, that, that care for us and that can listen. And so if, if you feel like you don't have that and you need someone, feel free, just shoot me a text. It doesn't have to be anything specific. You can literally text, Hey, Nathan, uh, I, heard about heard about your texting platform and i need a little pick me up i'm not feeling too good uh, i'm in a bad mood can you give me some motivation can you give me some ideas and i just want to be here for people and it's 100 free i don't i don't try to sell you you know anything crazy um from time to time i'll i'll send out a blast that'll just be an audio message saying hey i love you i hope you're doing well from time to time i will allow uh, you know blast out an offer to people uh but i'm just here and i want to be a person who can can be a, a listening ear or someone to keep you motivated and, and be there for you.
That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. I, and I think um, the reason why sometimes we feel that way, we feel better when somebody is worse because we connect to that pain mm-hmm. because we can see this sort of we're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's not just because we're bad people, right. <laughs> which is also something that we feel like the shame and the guilt about it. Right. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all your wisdom and your, all your work. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us this is again Rabbi Iggy from Chuba Center Tattoos and Torah you know how to find us uh, we're on the, all the platforms chubacenter.org um, thank you we'll see you again next week thanks everyone thanks